So our sermon series uh, entitled, God Has No Grandchildren, uh, continues this week. And last week we looked at the idea that we should love them. And um, the idea behind God has no grandchildren is that each one of us has to find our way to faith in Christ by ourselves. Um, Just because our children are raised in a Christian home does not automatically make them followers of Jesus. They have to find their own way to that in time. We uh, are using this sermon series to also talk about the new mission and vision that the the leadership of the church has put out. And I wanted just to go over those with you again. Don't worry, I'm not going to make you stand up and say them. But our mission as a church is to enrich the lives of children and family leading you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. And, and that really is who we are. This is not something that your leadership has made up and said, this is what we want to become. This is who we are. This is what we have been doing as a church for 35 years. And our, our vision really is sort of, it's aspirational. It's sort of what our community looks like if if we're accomplishing our mission, if we're doing our job. And so our vision for what happens to our community when we accomplish our mission is a vibrant Lake Houston community transformed by a deep love of God and neighbor. I mean, our aspiration is that because this church is here, because we are doing what we are doing, our community is better for it that we have made some difference in our community and and helped make it better. That's our mission. That's our vision. And and this is important because it becomes the standard by which all of our ministries are measured. Is it helping you to live, love, and serve like Jesus? Is it helping to enrich children and families? That that becomes the standard for which all of our ministries are judged. And it's important because it helps us know that we're on our way. Helps us to know where we're going and what we're doing. That we're not just throwing the doors of the church open on Sundays and throwing out a few Bible studies. That's just called doing church. A church with a mission, a church with a vision is a church that changes the kingdom, that makes the kingdom better. And that's why these things are important. That's why we talk about them. So one of the things that I love most about the teachings of Jesus is that he sort of turns things upside down. You know, I mean, you read it. The rich, they've had their reward the poor. They get entrance into heaven. It's harder for the rich than the poor. He tells us that the humble will be great, and the great will be humble. He teaches us things are different in the kingdom of God. And, you know, one of the things that I love about the teachings of Jesus is he seems to lift up children 
regularly as an example. I mean, throughout the synoptic gospels in particular, he is lifting up children as examples of faith. And that's unusual for the time. I mean, at the time that Jesus walked the earth, it was a very patriarchal society. There was sort of like the man's world and then everybody else. And children really didn't enter the man's world until they became adult males. And children, frankly, were little more than property, little more than things to be used to labor in your fields. And yet Jesus lifts them up as examples of faith. So the text that we're going to look at is one of these examples, one of these instances where Jesus lifts up a child as an example of faith. It comes from the Gospel of Matthew. It's the 18th chapter. We, we looked at a verse um, from last week that was sort of like this, except that in that one, the the disciples were sort of sort of kibitzing with one another about who's the greatest, and finally they asked Jesus, who's the greatest? In this one, they sort of ask him in a respectful way. They just ask him, who is the greatest? So here's our text, Matthew 18, 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, truly I tell you, Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. I love this. In, in this text, he's got these disciples wondering who among them is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And he picks up a child and uses it as an object lesson, a teaching lesson. And he says, unless you become like this child or these children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I mean, I love that. I mean, here these guys are saying, oh, who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus says, hey, slow your roll, guys. Unless you become humble like a child, you're not even getting into the kingdom of heaven. You're not even getting in the door, much less being the greatest. You need to humble yourself, be humble like a child. And Jesus uses this child as a lesson about humility for his disciples. I love that. Jesus uses this small child to teach his disciples a lesson about being humble. I mean, I love how whenever Jesus needs a little child, there's one there. I mean, I had this vision of this sort of core group of disciples that are around him and then this periphery of little children and women that are there to hear what Jesus is teaching. And just whenever he needs a child, there is one. Jesus is teaching his disciples about humility. It's a lesson for all of us 
to be humble like a child. You know, I think about the great commandment, the great commandment where Jesus sends, off, sends us off, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them all I have taught you. You see, as followers of Jesus, because there are no grandchildren of God, it is our responsibility to teach others about Jesus. Teach others all that Jesus has taught us, all that we have learned from Holy Scriptures, from our Sunday school classes. It's our responsibility to pass that on because God has no grandchildren. And there is a level to me at which there's two places that this rubs in in our life. The first is personally. I mean, all all of us probably in some way have some connection to children. We have our children, we have grandchildren, we have nieces, we have nephews, and we certainly have the the children of this church. And, And it's our responsibility as a parent or a grandparent, as best you can, to teach your children about the teachings of Jesus. It's our job to teach our children what it means to love God, what it means to love your neighbor, what what it means to accept grace. It's also our place as, as parents to teach our children manners, life lessons, how to behave in certain situations. To teach them about work ethic and what it means to be a good citizen. Those are our responsibilities as parents, as people in the lives of children. But to do that, it takes diligence, stick-to-itiveness. You have to monitor it. You have to keep an eye on it. You have to keep teaching it. I'll give you an example. My, my wife and I decided that our children were going to be raised in the best Texas tradition and that they were going to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, sir. That's how we were raising them. And I can't tell you how many times our nice-meaning friends, uh, our, parent, our children would say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, oh, honey, you don't have to call me ma'am. And I would be right behind my child saying, yes, they do. Or or you don't have to call me Mr. Smith or or Mrs. Jones. You can call me Betty. No, ma'am, they can't. Their their job is to call you Mrs. Jones. We we had to kind of stick to it. We kind of had to follow through with it. And that's our place raising children or grandchildren or having children in our life. But here's the deal. You can't just say it. You have to live it. If you have a child in your life, let me assure you, they are watching you. They are watching everything you do. They are hearing every word you say within hearing of them. They're not omnipresent. They're not hearing you when they're, when, you're not, when they're not present with you. But they're watching you. 
If you want to teach your children about loving your neighbor, you first have to love your neighbor. If you want to teach your children about loving God, first you have to love God. You have to show them. I've said often that I won the parental lottery. My parents were about as perfect a parent as a parent could be. Both my mother and my father were amazing parents. My my father was an example that I still try to follow today. Every now and then, every now and then, my father, when he was about to misbehave in front of me, would look at me and he'd say, son, in this instant, do as I say, not as I do. And I knew I was supposed to forget what was about to happen. And I surely wasn't authorized to do it. The truth is, if you want to teach your children about these things, first, you have to live it. You have to be an example for your child. It's not enough just to say it. You have to do it. And I think that there is a level at which this kind of rubs in our life corporately. We, we are the body of Christ in this place. This church is the body of Christ. We we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. And we as a church have committed ourselves to teaching children, to teaching children about God's love and God's grace. Every Sunday morning, we have volunteers that are working with our children in children's church and in Sunday school. We have youth Sunday school that's happening where there's volunteers. Our youth meet on Wednesdays for Bible study and on Sundays for fun and games and learning about God, all through volunteers. We have a number of Sunday school classes for adults that help them become better parents. And this is just the ministries of the church. These are just a few of the things. We've got the brochure that I lifted up to you, the little flyer of all the classes that we have for kids. And this is just the ministries of the church. I mean, we've got the weekday learning center. This is your single largest outreach to the community. They have a budget in excess of $1 million a year. They have over 50 employees people that are being the hands and feet of Jesus, people who are living out the example of God's love in these children's life, that are teaching them how to live, love, and serve like Jesus. We have over 400 kids a week that come through there, and these teachers are examples of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Not only are they teaching them how to read and write and how to do math and add things up, but they're teaching about Christ's love every single day. And not only are we teaching kids and youth, we're helping to make parents better parents. Because when parents are better and more effective at parenting, the family flourishes. 
This church is committed to teaching about Jesus. We're offering parenting classes that will be starting in the next few weeks. You'll find that on that brochure. But here's the deal. When we improve the life of a family, we improve everything about that life. Our mission, our mission is to enrich the lives of children and family and lead you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. There are opportunities for you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. Are you taking advantage of those? Is there some place where you can do more or learn more? Are you spending time each week in the Word in some form or fashion? I mean, some of us don't like to just open the Bible and just read Scripture. Some of us like to be able to talk about it with people. What does this mean? How does this work? That, that's here for you. Are you a part of something like that? Because part of our mission is to help you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. These things are here for you. So, so I think about how this plays out in our personal life, how we're an example for those around us of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And I think about what it means for us at the corporate level, like us as the body of Christ, and what does it look like? This, this text that we read, it concludes with this. If you welcome a child in my name, you welcome me. I love that verse. It's who we are. It's really who we are. Somehow, somewhere, 35 years ago, this just got built into our DNA about who we are and what we're about. Our, our, our mission statement, it isn't new. It's really an expression of who we are. You know, my previous job, I worked with churches all over the annual conference in all sort of areas, uh, varieties of success and lack of success. And every now and then, you'd find a church where a particular verse sort of just described that church. And I think that verse describes us. If you welcome a child in my name, you welcome me. It's who we are. It's what we do, and this is not aspirational. We've been doing it for 35 years. So my question for you today, are you living your life in such a way that the children around you 
can tell by watching you what it means to love God and to love your neighbor? Are you living your life in such a way that you are an example to those around you what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Or perhaps you choose to live your life saying, do as I say, not as I do. What's your choice? Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, for the passion that this church has for you and for your kingdom and for your children, Father, we celebrate that. We just ask that you would let your Holy Spirit loose in this place, that we might find ways to enrich children and families, that we might learn to better live, love, and serve like Jesus. Father, let this place be a beacon of your love and your grace for all of this community to experience. Help us to welcome every child as if we were welcoming you. Let our hearts burn for this. Let our hearts burn for you and for your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. And all God's children said, Amen.